section 52 of a fair mystery this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by marcia payne a fair mystery by bertha m clay a young lady pleasantly occupied a few days afterward the earl of linley with his daughter went to london he had decided not to go to his own house which was one of the most beautiful mansions in hyde park hyde house they were going simply on business and would spend the greater part of their time driving from one store to another the first visit of course was to madame francois to whom the earl explained that his daughter required in one word everything needful for a young lady of rank and position it will take many hours doris said the earl such things cannot be hurried i can leave you here while i drive on to my lawyer's to transact some business with him remember my darling you have carte blanche every whim to be gratified then he drove away leaving her with madame francois how forcibly it recalled to her the time when lord vivian had done the self-same thing truly she laughed to herself history repeats itself how little then did i foresee this so little that if even in a dream she could have been warned of it she would never have spoken to lord vivian never mind she said to herself with the light-hearted insouciance of her race never mind no one knows nothing will come of it but it would certainly be a relief to me to hear that lord charles vivian was dead the pity of it was that lord charles could not hear the remark it would have given him a lesson that he would not have forgotten madame wondered what had brought so grave an air of preoccupation over the beautiful young face surely if any human being was to be envied it was the young girl who had carte blanche in her elegant establishment she must know what she is about though thought madame dreaming is useless here she little knew lady doris going up to her with a book of patterns in her hand she was almost startled by the clear keen gaze that met her own by the perfect judgment and cool clear calm sense of the earl's daughter there will be some few things madame said the clear haughty voice that you will understand far better than i do others in which i shall prefer to please myself and madame found that lady studley had a taste and artistic sense of what is beautiful far superior to her own the next few hours were delightful to doris the rarest and most costly laces the most beautiful embroidery the finest silks the richest velvet there never were such purchases made she did not limit herself either as to quantity or quality and nothing was forgotten tiny slippers fit for cinderella dancing shoes fans gloves she might have been a practised old dowager selecting a trousseau for her youngest daughter the sum total was something enormous even madame accustomed as she was to large accounts looked slightly frightened my lord lindley placed no limit she said to doris no i must have all i require 
I shall not return to town until the season begins, was the perfectly self-possessed answer. Then Lord Linley returned, and Madame watched his face intently as that wonderful account was placed before him. It takes four figures, he said with a smile. That is quite right, my darling. I hope that you have everything you want. Tomorrow we will pay a visit to Stror and Mortimer's the jewelers. These packages, madame, are all to be sent to Lindley Court. Doris was in the highest spirits. She said to herself, and it was probably true, that no girl in England, not even a royal princess, had such a trousseau, but she had too much good taste to show any undue elation over it. When they had dined, she said to her father, Papa, you will not care to spend the evening here. It will be dull for you, and I cannot go out. Should you not like to go to your club? Yes, but what of you, my dear? I am tired, and shall be very glad to take a book and go to my own room with it. My dear Doris, said the Earl, who had slightly dreaded the long, lonely evening, you are a most sensible girl. If you treat Earl as you treat me, he ought to be the happiest husband in the world. I hope he will be, Papa, was the quiet reply. And she wondered what her father, the Earl of Lendley, would say if he knew from whom she had taken her early lessons in the art of managing men. If you want a man to be really fond of you, Doris, he used to say, to feel at home with you, and never to be bored in your society, let him have his own way, offer him his liberty, even when he does not seem inclined to take it. Suggest to him a game at billiards, a few hours at his club. You have no idea how he will appreciate you for it. She had found the charm work perfectly in the case of Lord Charles, and now her father, too, seemed to admire the plan. What would he say if he knew who had instructed her? She went to her room. Lady Doris never traveled without a pleasant little selection of light French literature. It prevented her from forgetting the language, she said. The Earl, inwardly hoping his wife would be as sensible as his daughter, went off to spend a quiet evening at his club. The day following was one of genuine delight to Lady Doris. The first visit the Earl paid was to the establishment of Messrs. Storr and Mortimer. There she was to select for herself what jewels she would. She had glanced once wistfully at the Earl. Jewels are not like dress, Papa. It is a dangerous thing to leave me unlimited powers here. Lady Doris Studley must have jewels fitting her position, he said. Dress wears out, but jewels last forever. So Lady Doris stood in that most tempting place, almost bewildered, while sets of pearls, of diamonds, of rare emeralds, of pale pink coral, then case after case of superb rings were placed before her. She thought of those so securely packed in her box, and wondered what would be thought of their history should it be known. She chose some magnificent pearls. There were none fairer, even in that place where the finest stones abound. Then she chose a set of emerald, golden green in their beautiful light, a set of pearls and rubies mixed, rings until she had more than enough to cover the fingers of both hands. 
golden chains of rare workmanship and beauty watches of great value and when she could think of nothing else she could desire she looked up in the earl's face with a smile that is not bad my dear for a beginning he said laughingly not bad at all you do not think i have purchased too much papa no my dear you have not enough yet i merely said it was very well for a beginning what the amount of the bill was or how many figures it took she never knew the earl had said good-naturedly to himself that it did not matter he had many thousands to spare there is yet another place he said we must go to parkins and gatos you require many things from there you must have a dressing-case a lady's writing-table and all kinds of knick-knacks for your rooms the day following was spent at mantle and braird's where lady doris gave such orders for the fitting up of her four rooms as made even those gentlemen open their eyes in undisguised wonder nothing was spared no luxury no comfort and that evening when they sat together lady doris said to her father i wonder if in all the wide world there is another girl in my position what position he asked why it is a positive fact that i have not one single wish left ungratified if a fairy were to come and ask me to try and find one out i could not i have not one he stooped down to kiss the beautiful face i am glad to hear it he replied i certainly do not think any one could say quite as much i could not it was not of herself alone that doris had thought that day she had been with the earl to give orders respecting the steam plough she had chosen such a dress such a shawl and cap for mrs brace that she knew would bring tears of delight into that lady's eyes she had chosen a box full of millinery with pretty ornaments for mattie she had chosen for earl a box full of books such as she had often heard him long for and lord lindley while he admired her goodness of heart her affectionate memory never for one moment thought that her quick study of him had led her to do these different things she longed for the hour in which she could return to lindley she wanted to see all the magnificent purchases she had made placed at her own disposal the parisian waiting-maid was found and one bright clear frosty morning they returned to the court this looks like home said lady doris her heart warmed to it and beat faster with a thrill of pride it was her own home from which nothing could dislodge her she had had one fright in london and though her nerves were strong her courage high it had been a fright she was driving with the earl through new bond street when on the pavement she saw gregory leslie there was no avoiding him their eyes met his were filled with recognition and surprise hers rested on him with calm nonchalance although her heart beat high then he smiled bowed and half stood still but the calm expression of her face never wavered is it someone who knows you said the earl it is someone who has made a great mistake she replied and then they passed out of sight not however before gregory leslie had seen the coronet on the panel what a mistake i have made he said to himself 
I certainly thought that was my beautiful innocence. How like her! It cannot be such an uncommon type of face, after all, when there are three now that different people have seen, all so much alike. What would my innocent do in an earl's carriage? That is, if all be well with her, and earl said all was well. She would not recognize him, for the simple reason that she feared to do so. He was a man of the world, always in London, familiar with all the little rumors at the clubs, and she dreaded what he might say afterward. If by chance she should meet him when she was with the earl and countess, she would recognize him, but not just then. It was an unfortunate thing for me, she said to herself, having that picture painted. If I had known then what I know now, it never would have happened. Mark Brace and his wife were foolish to allow it. But she had forgotten the whole matter when they reached Lindley Court. All the packages were there, and she was as happy as a queen superintending the arrangements, the unpacking, the stowing away in beautiful old wardrobes made of cedar. Even the Parisian waiting-maid, who rejoiced in the name Eugenie, owned to herself that not one of the great ladies with whom she had lived had a wardrobe like Lady Doris Studley's. Then came the day for the Earl's departure. He would not go until Mattie had arrived. You cannot be left alone, my dear, he said, so decidedly that Doris had not dared to urge the matter. Mattie came and was delighted. She cried a little at first, for, despite all her faults, she had most dearly loved the young girl she believed to be her sister. The story of Doris had been a great trouble to her, and she had felt it bitterly. But after a time she forgot her grief in the wonder excited by the magnificence of Lindley Court. Lady Doris was very kind to her. Nothing of patronage or triumph was to be detected in her manner. The first time they were left alone together, in what was to Mattie the bewildering glories of the drawing-room, the brown eyes were raised timidly to the fair face. Doris, said Mattie, who could have believed that you were such a great lady after all? I had faith in myself, my dear, was the superb reply, and that is a great thing. End of section 52 Reading by Marcia Payne.